Good morning. It is Riddell here with Behold the Connection, and I have an episode for you all about anxiety. This episode is specific to the pandemic that is sweeping the globe right now. However, if you're listening to this later, I'm going to try to make it as applicable as possible to any type of anxiety that you may be feeling. And I should also say that this is a topic that cannot just be covered in however long this will be, 10 or 12 minutes. It's something I'll speak to many, many times. So if you feel at the end like, I want more info, there will be more info coming. Okay, first of all, while I have you here, my parenting course is launched. Thank you so much to everyone who has supported it. The feedback is coming in and it reduces me to tears almost every night. Is that the right word, reduces? As I read your feedback, words like life-changing, game-changing, I feel so supported. I share on my Instagram page the feedback and it's seeming to do exactly what I intended the parenting course to do, to scoop you up, validate you, give you some tools and skills and teach you how to feel your feelings, control your thoughts, be the leader, and some practical scripts of what to say to your kids to do all of that, how to validate their feelings, but still be the leader and how to come alongside them, but still help get those chores done. So you can find my course on beholdtheconnection.podia.com and podia is P-O-D-I-A. The other thing you're going to find on beholdtheconnection.podia.com is a free, is it 16 pages? Um, a freebie, a printable kit on the pandemic, a journal for your kids where they can process some feelings, talk about where they were when they first learned about the virus. It's essentially a printable kit where you'll print the journal pages over and over as they fill this um, record of their time living through history here. So it's pretty cool. It's totally, totally free. Um, Share it on your social media so other people find it. I've been doing it with my kids and it's been so, so helpful for all of us to process our feelings and emotions and have some conversations that are much needed as we're in, as I'm about to talk about today, a state of anxiety and some anxious feelings. We've never been here before. And journaling is a very powerful way to relax your whole limbic system, to process feelings and thoughts. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant way to go through this pandemic, not to mention that it'll be an amazing keepsake of this time in history. On to anxiety. Okay, so we know through neuroplasticity that our brains can change and grow and put down new wiring. But we used to think, and you probably heard throughout your life growing up as I did, that, you know, whatever happened in those first five years, the wiring is set. You are who you are. We now know through better brain imaging technology that that is just not true. They had it wrong. The brain rewires itself depending on how we use it. So if we can employ neuroplasticity and have a growth mindset and believe in ourselves, we can change our entire brains. So what that means is we can absolutely rewire our brains to be less anxious. It's pretty exciting. So with what's going on in the world right now, anxiety is at an all-time high. It is. How do we know this? You can just see it on social media. People are feeling all the feelings and they're coming out in 
dysfunctional ways. Let's just say it that way. Um, and that's, that's normal. It's totally normal. I am very good at feeling my feelings and processing emotion. And I absolutely have felt more anxiety in the last couple of weeks than I normally do. And it makes sense, right? It makes sense because we know, and you know, from the previous episodes, if you haven't listened to those, go back and listen to all the six before this, our brain does not like the unknowns. It's scary. Okay. It's our lower brain that has our amygdala. Its job is to predict the unknowns to, to think of worst case scenarios, play those out and not to let it happen. Okay. So that's his job. Our brain's number one job is to keep us alive. So that makes sense that right now, uh, anxiety would be spiking. It'd be high because we know very little. We don't know when the kids will be back to school. We don't know if this virus is going to sweep through our particular community. We don't know if we ourselves are going to get sick. Will someone we know get sick? Will we die? Will someone we know die? What's going to happen to our jobs and livelihood? And I know even as I'm saying those words, that that is very triggering for some of you because it just feels unbelievable to the brain that we could be in this position. I get it. The problem is that while anxiety has a wonderful purpose in our life, truly, I'll talk a bit more about that, when it becomes extremely high due to circumstances, it can become disordered. When it becomes disordered, we can experience chronic stress, which with that comes surges of hormones that really don't shut off, that absolutely affect our physical health. Okay, so sometimes with anxiety, almost always, if it's actually not dangerous or there's nothing we can do, we need to go alongside of it. We need to accept that anxiety serves a function. It's there to keep us safe. It's telling us something is important. Like, take note, I'm feeling this is important. This could kill us. And that's true. And it can be whether or not a big test is coming up or whether it's a virus sweeping the nation. Anxiety is there to alert you to this feels important to me. That's your brain talking. Okay. So chemically speaking, the chemicals flooding your body during anxiety are the same as excitement. It's essentially adrenaline prepping your sympathetic nervous system. And why? Well, so you're ready for action. Whether that action is, okay, drill into your homework, study for this test. You can't fail. You'll die if you fail, right? Which is not true. Or if it's, um, there's, a, there's a virus sweeping the globe. People are dying. This isn't good. What are we going to do? What's our course of action? So then the question becomes... What then is disordered anxiety? Because we can acknowledge, and we all know that, a certain amount of anxiety helps us get that work done, helps us to be alert in a dark alleyway. We want to be alert. We want to get the work done. Well, a simplified description of disordered anxiety is sort of two things. One is when you feel in danger, when in actuality you're safe. So that's disordered. That's that's wrong. You are safe, but you're feeling unsafe. And number two is when you cannot function due to the high level of anxiety. That's also disordered anxiety. So that's an, an example of that is when you stop living life, you know, social anxiety, you won't go to a party, you won't work, you're avoiding school and the tests involve 
when basically the anxiety says, nope, we're not doing that, when deep down you really wish you could say, yes, we are. So that's the that's two examples of when anxiety becomes disordered. It, most things fall into those two categories. So then let's talk about the anxiety cycle. So every day that you wake up, your brain looks for what's safe and what's dangerous. It goes through its day. Is that safe? Is that dangerous? Is that safe? Is that dangerous? And you'll interpret situations through that lens, basically. So the cycle goes like this. Number one, you're going to interpret a situation as dangerous. Number two, your brain will find a way for you to escape it or leave it. And number three, you will then feel relief and different feel-good chemicals will be released. And then number four, what that does to close up the loop is it increases the anxiety next time because you've now laid a neural pathway that your brain thinks helped you survive because you got that relief, those feel-good chemicals. So your brain essentially lays down those neural pathways that says, okay, perfect. That was a good way not to die. And then when you're in a similar anxious situation, it will revert back to that pathway as a way to solve for the situation that you're currently in. What this does over time is it strengthens that anxious response. So you now have a very strong neural pathway that can become disordered. So basically, avoidance feeds disordered anxiety. And what this looks like, this can be as simple as avoiding or living small. You know, if there's something you know you want to do or launch or attend or further education or whatever, but you're too scared, it keeps your world smaller and smaller in an attempt to keep you safe. Really, the more disordered your anxiety gets, the smaller your world gets. I want you to picture a belt around your waist just getting tighter and tighter and tighter as you strengthen those neural pathways of anxious thoughts. But really, the only way to loosen it and get control of disordered anxiety is you have to feel to heal. Every time that you face your fear, even in a small way, your brain now starts to have a new pathway as an option. So I'm going to share an experience with you. I grew up riding in my teen years. I worked at a riding stables and I, I think I shared this. Oh, in my parenting course I did, but in a different metaphor. Um, so this metaphor is about anxiety. Anyways, um, I, I rode, I rode all the, I helped train horses. I rode the horses that never had a rider on their back before and, you know, half of them were crazy, half of them were good. I had a horse rear up and grind me into the gravel road. I had lots of positive experiences. Overall, I felt very brave, what teenager doesn't. That's a pretty cool thing about the teenage brain is the amount of bravery and courage. But I have a teenage course coming out. We won't talk about it right now. But the brain of a teenager is absolutely fascinating because of the bravery. So I did that my whole life. I learned how to train horses. I was brave. I jumped four feet at horse jumping shows. Horses were my life. Yet somehow after the birth of my youngest daughter, I developed a postpartum anxiety of sorts. What was interesting is that for me, it was really, it was directed at a few things. I was always worried my, my youngest daughter was going to die and I could be 20 feet back from the ocean and I was sure that wave was going to come in like a tsunami and whisk her away. There was some real disordered thinking, but most of it landed around horses. 
I actually sold my horse that I had at that time because I just couldn't go there. Fast forward a couple years later, and through some pushing of my sister, who knew how much I loved horses, um, I was able to face this fear. So she basically reminded me of how much I love horses, and I resisted. Nope, I want to stay safe. I mean, I resisted so strongly. And let me fast forward this experience. Finally, I decided to buy, well, to go look at a horse to buy. I went to look at the horse with my sister and I just stood in the riding arena while everyone rode the horse but me and I bawled. I just bawled. Like it was that overwhelming to even think about, which is hard to imagine knowing my experience with horses and all the horses I trained. Like I'm a competent rider, but it was what it was. My brain had strengthened that pathway for years and accumulated a lot of evidence. It would think about all the times that horses were bad to me in my teen years. So I had a lot of evidence. Long story short is the only way I've rewired my brain, and it is still a work in progress, was by doing horse stuff in small increments. First, I was just in the same pen as my horse. Then I would catch my horse, put the halter on. Then I would stand by my horse. Then I would put the saddle on my horse. Then I'd watch my sister ride the horse. Through these small, I, every time I pushed through my comfort level, like when my brain would say, time to run, time to run, because you remember the relief feelings of step three come after you escape. So what I was pushing against was step two, when you want to escape. So step one, you interpret the situation as dangerous. Step two, you escape. Third, you get the relief. And fourth, then it increases the anxiety. This is how it becomes disordered. So where you need to pause is on number two, the you escape. You don't escape. You tell your brain, I can do this. You increase the amount that you are willing to stay in those anxious feelings and face the fear. And every time you face that fear, your brain has a new pathway, a new option. It's slightly stronger. There's one more route it can go, okay? So within the anxiety cycle, as I just described, you can get in and break up the cycle in two places. If you stop avoiding it and you feel the feelings and you face it, that's hard. I'm telling you, the first time I got on my horse, I barfed. I'm not acting like this is easy to do. It is scary. And I will tell you the whole time I drove over to my sister's stables before I even got on the horse or near the horse, I bawled the whole way there. I just processed the feelings. Okay. This was very real for me. But when you push through uh, level two of where you want to escape and face that and sit with those feelings, your brain learns over time. Oh, maybe we can do this. Huh? We didn't die just then. And you then get the relief surge paired with that experience. In order to rewire an anxious brain, I'm so passionate. Listen to how I'm talking. I'm sorry. Let me bring it down a bit here. You have to, it has to wire together. It has to fire together to wire together. You cannot overcome anxiety effectively without putting yourself in the experience. That's the truth. Because you have to... I'll speak more about this. It's going to take up too much time. Just leave it at that and I'll talk about it another day. But basically, you can get into the cycle at that point. The other point that you can get into the cycle and break it up is through your thoughts. Now, because I'm speaking specifically to COVID-19, we're not going to go out and walk through, you know, a hospital unprotected and touch all the patients with this flu with this virus and be like, see brain, we're fine. That would be 
ridiculous. And also it is a real danger. What we're trying to do is we're trying to, oh, dang it. I didn't add my phone on. That's my sister. Um, we're trying to lower the anxious feelings, but we want to honor our brain's reality that this is scary. So the only way that we can do that in this situation is by getting into our thoughts. So let me just speak about that. So you need to start small. You need to, we need to get into our thoughts before we are flooded with the anxiety with the um, epinephrine. That's how we're going to break up the cycle. It's most effective before you're in an elevated state. So doing this after you've read all the news or talked to someone and become very fearful is not the best way to do it. What you want to do is you want to question your thoughts. You want to allow yourself to think brave thoughts. You You're essentially going to answer your brain. Your brain is offering for you all the ways that you could die right now. So you need to answer, you need to acknowledge and answer your brain. Like I said, with most anxiety, you want to, in small increments, face it. And then that loosens the belt. Remember I said a a super tight belt. It loosens the belt notch by notch as you rewire your brain. In a situation like this, where it's a virus sweeping the nation, the way to break the cycle is through our thoughts. So whenever your brain offers you a fearful thought, you feel the fear in your body. You will. Even your hands might tingle a little if you're really paying attention. And you're going to feel it and you're going to go to your breath and you're going to deep breathe. And you're going to try to find it in your body. Oh, yeah, my chest feels tight. My stomach feels sick. And you're going to tell your brain, Oh, thank you. You're trying to keep me safe. Good news is I'm taking all the steps to keep my family safe. We're staying home. Thank you for the reminder. Or if you're a medical professional that has to work, thank you, brain. I've got on all my protective gear. I'm very mindful. I've got this. Thank you. Now, what you're going to want to do is give your brain something else to solve. This is not avoiding feelings. Feelings are in your body. Your thoughts are in your mind. Your brain wants a problem to solve and you will make yourself crazy in this pandemic if you do not give that brain something else to solve, okay? So often I'll tell people, find a new goal, find a goal, give your brain a, now is the time. Now is not the time to be productive. I see all those same quotes, but in some ways it is to a degree because your brain will spin on something. That is what brains do. Give it something productive to spin on and reroute it there. Hey, brain, I want you to think about how I'm going to help my daughter become a better reader. That's what I want you to solve for today and keep rerouting it to that, that idea. Or brain, I want to learn how to make buns. That's what you can think about. You can think about why my first three attempts at buns failed. That's what you're going to spin on. Give it something to do. That is how you're going to manage those anxious thoughts. So you're going to acknowledge them. I Oh, brain, I see that. Yes, thank you for keeping me safe. I've got it handled. We're washing our hands. We're staying home. Thank you for caring. You want to acknowledge it. Do not, do not just, because if you don't acknowledge it, your brain will keep offering the thoughts to you. But did you hear me? And it'll get louder and louder. You need to acknowledge, oh, Yes. Good job, brain. You're trying to remind me to check Facebook again to see how many new cases there are. I'm going to check this evening for five minutes. I'm not checking right now. 
it, right now, what we're going to do is educate the children. So you find a way that I can manage educating all the kids. So that's my advice for you. I want you to breathe. I want you to acknowledge your brain. And I want you to give your brain a new goal of any kind to work on each day. That is called rerouting your thoughts to thoughts that serve you. And it's everything I teach. It will change your life. It will be the best way to deal with this anxiety when we can't actually give ourselves exposure to our ang- to what we're anxious of. That would be very silly. Um, so I hope this episode helps. I will talk so much more about this in the future. I plan this fall to release an anxiety course online. I think it's going to help so many people. But before I do that, I'm releasing a course on parenting preteens and teens, which should be in May or June. And in the meantime... Take my parenting course because module two and three dive so much deeper in what I just talked about today. So beholdtheconnection.podia.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and be well. I'm here for you guys. Mm-hmm.